20 years old, I found out I was pregnant. Those two pink lines devastated me. I knew I could survive the adventure of parenthood, but I didn't have a roadmap to help me thrive. Welcome to the Two Pink Lines podcast, a podcast addressing the questions of unplanned pregnancy. I want to share stories of women and men who've embraced the unplanned and found out that they can still hope, dream, and become a parent. Hi, I'm your host, Cheyenne Erickson. Join me as we embrace the unplanned. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited to be here with you. I know it's been a few weeks, but we moved And so now I'm turning my attention back to podcasting. You know, as I look around in the stores and everything, it's that time of year where pencils are out and notebooks, and I always want to buy a lot of them, even though I have preschoolers who don't appreciate them the way I do. It's back to school season. And so I thought I would bring you an episode about the rights pregnant women have as students. And so there's this amazing organization called Pregnant on Campus, and they are there to help let women know and defend pregnant women's Title IX rights. Did you know we have Title IX rights? I didn't know that. It's so exciting. And so I have a conversation with Camille Cisneros, who gives us amazing examples of how they've helped women finish their education. And so I'm really, really excited to bring you this very informative conversation. Hey, Camille. (laughs) Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing well. Thank you. Um, So you're with an organization called Pregnancy Pregnancy on Campus Initiative, right? Yes. So the Pregnant on Campus Initiative was created to support those women who are in high school or college and finding themselves in an unexpected pregnancy. And our goal and our mission is to make sure that those students have all of these support, whether it's emotional or material, um, that they need to successfully continue in their pregnancy, but also to continue in their education. And um, with that, we also found it critical to help students understand their rights on campus. Um, to know that they cannot be discriminated against based on their pregnancy or their parenting status. So it's the entire mission of the Pregnant on Campus Initiative to make sure that these women um, and men, these parents, are supported throughout their entire journey of um, pregnancy and college or beyond that whatever they choose to let us um however they choose to let us continue in that relationship we are happy to assist them interesting so I mean there's just so much to unpack there but how did you come to be interested in this like what brought you to make this like your current career yeah Well, it has been an interesting test, Um, I think, orchestrated by someone other than myself, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, This isn't something that I would have ever 
um, see myself doing as a career, um, but it's just kind of where I have found myself that my passions have led me to. Um, when I was in high school, I had a friend who um, had actually gotten pregnant unexpectedly, and um, she had gone through with having an abortion. And um, I didn't, I was like a little bit in the middle on the time as to where I stood on um, the topic of abortion itself. But that experience was really eye-opening for me to see what she went through. And then fast-forwarding on to college, um, I was really seeing the impact that abortion was having on women. And um, just by listening to the conversations that people were having um, and really hearing a lot of stories of women who were hurting and broken and telling me um, that they wish they wouldn't have gone through with the abortion um, because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, there, I, I, could, I could probably tell you like five very specific stories off the top of my head of just friends who have told me. Um, and you, of vulnerability, so... And you were, no, no, you were hearing these stories as someone who wasn't really pro-life or pro-choice. You were just another college student, right? Right, yes. At the time, I was very much in the middle. Like, I I remember telling people that, um, well, I I don't think abortion is okay, but in some circumstances, it, it might be okay. Um, and so that's kind of where I was at at the time. Um, as I was, like, hearing these stories and discovering these things. Um, now I am very pro-life, and it's, it's really because of the stories that I've heard um, from these women. And a lot of people go into the pro-life movement, um, you know, to save all the babies. Like, they want to save all the babies. And that's, that's wonderful. Um, I have absolutely... Um, nothing against that, but my reasoning for, um, like I said, I never found myself, <laughs> uh, or I never saw myself doing this as a career, but as I heard these stories, I found myself just really, really, um, wanting to make sure that no woman ever had to go through the stuff that I was hearing these women go through being forced to have an abortion, um, wishing, like, not being able to get pregnant now and wishing they had never gone through with it before. Sorry. Um, Bless you. Um, Things like that. And so when I came into the pro-life movement as a career, it was because of the women. Like, I wanted to help them. And so when this position opened us as a pregnant on-campus director, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is like my dream job. I can create programs that will literally help women in those situations where, you know, they're thinking to themselves, like, hey, look, I worked really hard to get to college, and I'm doing a really good job right now, and I am, like, on my way to my dream career, and I don't want anything to stop me, and now I'm pregnant. Um, and so I don't want that woman to think to herself that she doesn't have any other choice to continue in her career unless she terminates the pregnancy. 
um, I want her to know that there are resources available to her. And not only that, but the student groups that we work with on campus, um, we want them to make sure that the administrators and the campuses themselves are actually providing these things to these women so that they know their rights, so that they have resources available. And like anything from a maternity parking space, so a woman who's 35 weeks pregnant walking to campus doesn't have to walk 10 minutes just to get to class, you know? Wow. Um, so something from that to making sure that there are diaper changing stations um, in the bathrooms or a clean private space for her to um, pump or nurse. Like, these are all things that should be provided under Title IX and sometimes are but students don't know about that. So we really want the Students for Life group to work hard in making sure that these things are available on campus and that the women know that these things are available on campus. Wow. Very long-winded. No, no, I absolutely love it. Um, To the diaper changing tables for a second, like that is a little pet peeve of mine. Like I have a lot of thoughts on everything you said, but diaper changing tables, um, not only was that something that I was concerned about at my um, undergrad school of Colorado Christian University, but it was an undergrad small private Christian school. And, you know, I didn't think about it much. But when I had my baby, my husband was at Northwestern Law School, which is like a big university where a lot of people are moms and they had no place to change a diaper. And it made me so mad because I was like, if you want to empower women, get a freaking diaper changing table in here. And and not just in the women's restroom, also in the men's, because guess what? Daddies can change diapers, too. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway. (laughs) We, um, just to give you a little, like, side story, we were working with a group at um, Cal State Fullerton here in Southern California. And this um, pro-life group... um, I don't know, they investigated their campus, they like researched their campus um, to find out what resources were available for pregnant and parenting students. And on this like quest, um, scavenger hunt, whatever you want to call it, to find all of the pregnancy resources, they found that there were zero diaper changing stations on that entire campus. And so the president of the group decided that she was going to make sure that those were placed in the bathrooms on campus. Um, so the process, the way it works typically is the students will put together a petition and they'll table and canvas on campus to get signatures saying to let the administrators know that this is actually a service that students on campus want or need. And what was amazing about just that first step, the petition process, was that there were multiple people thanking these students for working to get diaper changes in the bathrooms. And what they were saying was, we're literally having to walk to our cars sometimes just to change our child's diaper. And it blew me away. <laughs> like, on a, on a university campus like that, um, CSU Fullerton, it's like by the time you go, like it probably takes about five to 10 minutes 
depending on your speed, I guess, to get from the student union building to the parking lot, like the typical parking lots, not those good ones that you have to get to campus at like seven in the morning, like the ones that your average student is rolling up at 10 a.m. Um, and they're having to walk their car to change their child's diaper. And just hearing those stories, I was blown away. Um, and luckily, so was their student government. And um, they actually were amazing, this campus. And um, within a semester of presenting all of the petitions, um, bringing it to student union, or sorry, the student government's attention, and then taking it to the um, administrators, they actually made sure to place diaper changing stations in at least um, one of the men and women's restrooms on each level of the student union building. Oh, wow. So it was really successful. Um, and the irony in it is I remember going to the last meeting to give them all of the information with the students. And as I was leaving campus, I was driving away, and lo and behold, was a mom changing her baby's diaper in the backseat of their car, like, as I'm driving past. And I didn't take a picture, but I almost wanted to because I wanted to show the administrators, like, see, this is literal proof that this is necessary. Um but that's just an example of what we're really encouraging the Students for Life groups to be doing on campus. And the effect it has for moms and dads is huge. Yeah. How much more convenient <laughs> and clean and, you know, appearance, as you know, has so many things going on. Um, and... I mean, statistics show that student parents actually have higher GPAs than non-student higher GPAs than non-student parents, um, which doesn't surprise me because they don't have time to wait. <laughs> so the simple act of putting a diaper changing station into a bathroom on campus helps them with this precious time to dedicate elsewhere. Wow, that's. I love that you guys are doing that. You guys also are doing far more than like, I mean, diaper changing tables are wonderful, but you're defending like people's rights. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah. So we um, were getting, as we were tabling at different events. Um, what does tabling mean? That's a little bit of lingo. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm so used to that in my day-to-day. -day. So when a student group or um, is tabling out on campus, it's kind of like they're like a vendor. Okay. Um, if you go to a big conference and you have like the different vendors set up with all of their information about their organization, um, that's basically what I mean when I say tabling. Okay. We're set up and we're here to give information. Um, so as we're out there at different events, talking to students about the Pregnant on Campus initiative, we were hearing story after story about women who were stuck in that place that I mentioned earlier of, should I have an abortion or continue my pregnancy? Um, because I don't know if, you know, I can be on my team, um, like a sports team, things like that. And a couple of specific examples um, a student from Colorado 
um, a Colorado university had said that he was friends with a girl who was on the volleyball team and that girl had gotten pregnant and didn't want to lose her scholarship and didn't want to get kicked off the team or lose her position. So she decided to go ahead and have an abortion. And um, a year later, she found herself in the same position of um, being pregnant and being feeling stuck. Like, I don't want to have to go through with that again, but I also don't want to lose my position on the team, my scholarship. Um, but at that point, somebody actually let her know that under Title IX, she was eligible for a redshirt season so that she could continue in her pregnancy. And so long as she keeps a good academic standing, which you have to maintain in order to even be on the team, um, she, by law, is entitled to reinstatement on that team after this redshirt season. And she was blown away and completely disappointed and had told the student who was talking to us, had I known that, I would have never gone through with that first abortion. Mm-hmm. I would have, have registered And so with her second pregnancy, she did continue in the pregnancy and she was reinstated on the first team. Um, but hearing stories like that, and then um, there's another student who, again, from Colorado, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> but um, we just worked with her because she um, she was going to a community college, and um, she was in a senior in high school going to community college. Like A and B students, really, really um, doing well in her academics, and found out that she was pregnant. Um, Moving into her freshman year at the community college was when um, her due date was, and um, it was during finals week that she actually went into labor. Um, and her professors weren't willing to let her retake her final, and which is against the law. Mm. Um, they told her that she needed to prove that she actually um, had the baby, <laughs> that she actually was in labor. And um, unfortunately, because she failed those classes, she also lost her financial aid. Um, again, she didn't know her rights at the time and um, didn't know what to do, and then a Students for Life group had met her a little bit later on and helped her to um, be given the opportunity to retake those classes, but even though she was able to retake those classes, she still wasn't able to get her financial aid back because a certain time period had elapsed at that point, but had she known from the get-go that those things were against the law, like a professor legally has to let her retake a test that she missed if it's because of medical necessity, which going into labor (laughs) is. Um, And there's that birth certificate, like, with the date, here you go. Um, Had she known ahead of time, she wouldn't have had to go through all of the the tough stuff. And um, we were actually able to help her um, 
receive additional funds so that she could go back to school, which was a really, really cool, um, just a really cool process to be a part of um, to help her re-register for classes. And we had some amazing donors who just stepped up and said, hey, we want to give her money to help. And and so they, they gave her that money. Um, which is really, really cool. Which I mean, we don't, we don't always, we're not always able to do something like that. So that was just something really amazing to be a part of. Um, wow. So yeah, we we created because of stories like that. We created the Pregnant on Campus Bill of Rights, um, which is ten different items as to um, with the purpose of presenting young women with all of their options, um, especially those options that are guaranteed to her by the law. So this Bill of Rights is something that has been a project this year for Pregnant on Campus um, to really try and get this information out onto campus in every way, shape, and form to let these students know um, that they do have rights. I mean, that's what really drew me to you, you guys as an organization is because as like all my listeners know, I was pregnant my junior year of college. I was like a senior member of our debate team, but our religious school um, had a code of conduct item that you could not be an unmarried pregnant individual Um, and we fortunately had an administrator go to bat for us and we never saw any repercussions like from an administrative level. And we also quickly got married and then moved to Chicago. So like we had lots of items in flux, but had I, for some reason, decided to just stay as a single mom on campus I thought for sure I was going to lose my academic scholarships. I was going to get kicked off the debate team. I thought I was going to get kicked out of school. Um, I had no idea whatsoever that I had any rights as a student. Because I thought I waived all of those with the code of conduct. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is is um, a tricky thing to navigate with private Christian schools. And just, I mean, private schools in general. Um, but specifically private Christian schools, because while their code of conduct are are very well meaning, um, sometimes it puts people in very tricky predicaments. Of you know, I'll, I mean, I'll just be really blunt. <laughs> like it's a Christian school who is supposed to love on people in all of their walks of life. Yet, when someone becomes pregnant suddenly, they become, they can become very stern. Um, and so that's amazing that your administrators, like, went to that for you guys. And sometimes, um, like, at Students for Life, we worked with a, a student who had gotten pregnant her senior year in high school. And it was at a private Christian high school, very, very small. And... Um, she was the moment that, you know, she she went to the principal. And I may not be getting this story, like, 
exactly to the T, but um, I'll give you the gist, is that she went to the principal with her parents and let them know this is what's going on, and they said, well, you're going to be expelled. And she went, wait, hold on. <laughs> there are students who are drinking who have gotten caught, and that's against the code of conduct. Why are they just suspended and why am I expelled? Um, but a part of it was the fact that when you're pregnant, you start to show. And that to the school was a reflection of who they were, I suppose. Um, and so Students for Life actually really, really went to that for this young woman. Um, and she, it ended up that she wasn't expelled, um, but she wasn't able to walk at graduation. Mm. And so that was, it was really... It was really hard to watch as for me as a Christian. And then um, just to see everything that this poor young woman went through, just to have her graduation. Um, and again, fortunately, there was um, a scholarship that, like, people saw this story and they surrounded her with love. And um, some people were a little bit snarky and sent gifts to her and sent them to the school, <laughs> to the principal's office, and said, these are for her baby, <laughs> um, which I thought was a little bit funny. But mm. it can be really tricky because um, some, all of these schools will fall under um, being Title IX compliant, mm. but some of them are exempt um, because of morality issues regarding gender and gender identity and um, sexual orientation and things like that. Um, and so when it comes to pregnancy, it becomes tricky waters um, to tread. But I, ultimately, um, I think the message that we want to send is that, you know, the pregnancy isn't the sin. And mm-hmm. for, like, a Christian school, like, the pregnancy is the gift, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we help these schools love on these women and support them in the same way they would somebody who wasn't attending their institution? I think it's, it's really important that we work towards doing that, like towards really supporting the um, I often tell the students that I work with, like, hey, you know, part of the Pregnant on Campus initiative is learning empathy and understanding that the situations that um, make very good women consider abortion are very gray and so we have to be willing to step into that gray area and understand the situation that this woman is in and to have empathy towards her um and just the willingness to listen Mm. and hear her and then to support her to continue in that pregnancy in a way that she may not find that support anywhere else. Um, yeah. Can you show me what that looks like, like on a campus 
um, level? Like, how do meetings work? Like, is um, these organizations full of mom parents or are they well-meaning students or what does that entail? Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of um, a mix. So we've got um, some very well-meaning students who are just out there um, trying to spread the word of, like, these are local organizations who provide free resources and materials and medical um, testing, like ultrasounds, pregnancy testing, things like that. Like, they're out there sharing that information on campus, and sometimes um, somebody will recognize them when a friend finds out that they're pregnant and they'll refer them to that pregnant student and um, they'll refer her to the resources or, you know, just find out what it is that she needs. And many times it, it is really just going to a coffee shop and sitting down and getting to know her and getting to know the situation um, and letting her know that, you, you know, they're, She's not the only pregnant person on campus. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes, and you need, to, need you can speak to this. Like, I've heard students tell us that it it feels like I'm the only pregnant student on campus. I'm like, it's honestly not. Um, but no, that's definitely I, how I felt. Yeah, and and I mean, statistics say that um, one in five students are parents, and so you think about those numbers and. That means that there are many pregnant students on campus, right? Um, so how do we bring them together? Mm-hmm. So a great way to help these women find each other is um, through our student groups doing things like um, in Texas. Oh, my gosh, these student groups are amazing because they have created um, parenting support groups where it's like a bunch of um student parents who are getting together once a month or once every other week and they're just hanging out and talking about life and just having time to like share their joys and maybe commiserate a little bit who knows (laughs) um but they're creating this safe space for these parents to go um another thing that the student groups have done is um create babysitting services yes they are, and it's like a, it's a very formal process. Um, like the students who are parents fill out a form, um, an application, and they go through this whole process to, um, and they make it as simple as possible, but they also want it to be as legitimate as possible. Um, so that it's not like, hey, I'm a random friend, like, drop your kid off. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do make sure that it's, it's very legitimate, but um, they are dedicating their time to go to um, either meet up, you know, in the library in the family study room or going to the student's house so that they can watch the child while that student um, will take the time to study. Mm. And just through those types of services, they're also able to connect the parents with other parents on campus because they're getting to know who these parents are. And, um, I mean, at Fresno State in California, the student group, um, 
started from with a student out of the speech pathology department. And um, it went from one student deciding to um, go through with her pregnancy and caring, and then another student joining the club because they met each other, and another or parenting student joining the club. And so this group went from like four undergraduate students who were not parents to a whole handful of undergraduate and graduate students who were parents. Um, so it kind of like brought all of these women together, which is really, really cool to see. Yeah. I just recorded an episode and I don't know what order these are going to come out in. Um, it's a group called um, Safe Families for Children. I don't know if you've heard of them. They are nationwide. Um, but their goal is to connect family friends to um, parents who are just struggling or lack community or lack um, kind of a family resource. And so it, the idea is to be completely organic, that you just have a friendship. That's what you have. And um, the lady I was interviewing, Hillary, uh, was talking about the importance of community. And it really is like that spark of joy that kind of gets you through the day. And parenting when you are like, you know, overwhelmed probably by working and doing school and trying to have a kid, not that you have a lot of time to hang out, but knowing that other people are there with you in that makes all the difference in the world. And so it's so, so neat that you guys are also engaging in that community aspect. Yeah, that, I mean, that organization sounds amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, that is really what we, our hope is for these students is that um, they're able to build that community and find the support that they need and really just find someone to, um, I mean, like be an ear to whatever challenges they may be facing and I mean, also just sharing those joys. Mm-hmm. I said that earlier, but it, sometimes I, I'm such an extrovert, so your introverted listeners may not relate. <laughs> but for me, I'm like, oh, I just got to get it all out. <laughs> um, I'm like such an external processor, such an extrovert. And um, my husband is, he's such an internal processor. So sometimes he's like, dude, like not everybody wants to you get it all out like you do you gotta understand that I'm like okay 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 but um it is really nice to have that community surrounding you um to just talk about things and and your kids and your studies and all all the things yeah so you guys have the bill of rights but I guess a question that I had on that was do you guys actually connect people to legal counsel or is it more you know the system really well. You can, students can talk to you eventually and you can kind of like pressure professors and administration or how does that work? Yeah, so it's a little bit of both. Um, if we hear from a student who is talking about any sort of discrimination, pregnancy discrimination, um, the first thing that we really need is written proof. Um, and, and unfortunately, that's something that 
can be hard to come by because a lot of these interactions are in person. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the time we'll suggest that, you know, that person, um, why don't you write an email and just ask for more information of what you should do next um, to, to really give us any sort of written proof that, hey, this is actually happening. Um, and then from there, we there's a couple of directions we can go. So the first direction is pressuring the school to stop whatever it is that they're doing that is discriminatory. So we will write a very strongly worded but kind letter um, letting, you know, the professor know that um, according to Title IX, this is the law. You actually need to let this student make up this test. She does have a written note from her doctor which proves that she was um, getting medication because she was dealing with terrible morning sickness, you know, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. um, and letting them know, like, this, it is her legal right to be able to retake this test. Um, many times that's all it takes is to let somebody know that this is actually against the law. And unfortunately, a lot of the times the teachers and professors, we actually don't know that it's against the law for them to do that. Um, many times they'll step back and go, oh, my gosh, okay, I'm sorry. Yes, you can retake that test. Um, sometimes that's not the case. They can be a little more stubborn and say, no, like, you know, we've got all these other students who made it, so you could have made it too. <laughs> um, and in those situations, that's when we are, um, I guess, forced in a way to seek legal guidance. And oftentimes, again, it just takes a legal letter stating that, hey, now this is an attorney letting you know um, that if you don't abide by the law, we will pursue legal action. And in regards to pregnancy discrimination, we have not um, had to pursue legal action um, to date, fortunately. Um, But it is something that we we are willing to do if necessary. Like somebody needs, and I really like that term that you used to go to bat, but somebody really needs to go to bat for for these women um, Mm -hmm. because they are making a really courageous choice to go through with a pregnancy while in college because as you know pregnancy comes with exhaustion sometimes and a lot of nausea sometimes and sometimes just feeling really tired and and the doctors will for me like feeling really tired um they were like well just go for a little walk and I'm like what (laughs) um but that's just pregnancy I guess so to to make that choice to continue in all of that and still pursue your degree, um, it's nice to have that like that person standing behind you and going, no, 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 I've got your back here. We're going to help you because that pregnant student is probably just tired in general. So Students for Life, the Pregnant on Campus Initiative, like, we want, we'll be there. Like, we'll have your back. Like, we will bring that energy for you so that you don't have to deal with all of that stuff. Um, 
so yeah, fortunately we haven't had to pursue a lawsuit. Um, but it's, it's all the pregnant on campus bill of rights, um, was released this fall or the fall of 2019. Okay. So, um, we're still just trying to get the word out there and, mm-hmm. um, really hoping that anybody who, I mean, hears this podcast or come across our website or meets one of our students, like, if they need help, like, do not be afraid to reach out to us. Like, we are here for you and we want help. So. That's awesome. And kind of, I, I don't know, this is an extra note maybe to people who might be like, why is it a big deal if you, like, lose your scholarship? It is a big deal because it's your life that got turned upside down. Like, whether you agree with the choices or not that led up to that pregnancy, um, it's still expectations that you had, dreams that you had, and now new responsibilities that you have to take on. And if normal can be protected anyway by the law and success that will ultimately make that mother a happier person that will enable that baby to have a better life, those are choices that should be protected. Um, So it's not just a, oh, it's their scholarship or, oh, it was a spot on the team. Like, it really, really is a big deal. And so I'm so, so thankful for the work that you guys are doing. And, you know, like, when we're talking about those things, like, it may seem like a minimal consequence for some people, like, you know, you said. And um, it, it really is a big deal. I agree. And these policies that we're trying to change and these rights that we're trying to protect are really um, to help, I mean, frankly, to help break glass ceilings um, within women's careers because the policies that exist on campus um, and the rules that are in place are really laying the foundation um, for the workplace right? Like Mm -hmm. the whole purpose of gaining this college education isn't just to fill your brain with a lot of information where yes, that's a benefit of it, but it's also to prepare you to enter into the workplace so that you can um, really help society become better through the contributions that you're making. Um, I mean, and not every job is, like, making the world a better place, but in some ways, like, I mean, we're, we're here in this place of shelter in place and um, the essentials only, and I really think that it's bringing to light a lot of these jobs that um, people just really don't respect, but they are so essential, and mm-hmm. so it's helping us respect these workers more, the people who are picking up your trash outside, the people who are, you know, checking you out of the grocery store. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think about the janitors at the hospitals, like, of course, you know, mm-hmm. we're thinking about the nurses and the doctors, but like, you think about all of these jobs and somebody, 
you know, they are contributing to the good of society. So that was a bit of a tangent. But <laughs> what we want to do is change these policies because for the better, so that they'll lay the foundation for a culture that really aims to uphold the rights of working parents in general. So no, a scholarship on the surface may not seem like a big deal. It just may seem like a minimal consequence to an action or, you know, the other things. But it, it really is a big deal because this is the standard that we're setting beyond college. I mean, and another tangent on that is that it I mean in pregnancy the woman bears that. Um and I mean it's there is a father out there too, and the father wouldn't lose the scholarship or something like that. So mm-hmm. something has to be done to equalize the playing field in that that um women like are equal. I I don't know how else to say it, that they're equal, even if they do have a family life. Yeah, and I mean, you even consider, um, they, I I was reading an article about Title IX and um, how great it has been in um, discrimination um, and sexual harassment, like how Title IX has really done a good job in, in helping those situations, um, but it's really failing in regards to pregnancy discrimination. And mm. this article was written um, from a couple of scholars at Berkeley in California, and it was talking about how women are um, not in the STEM field as um, much as men. But in, in graduate schools and in different programs, um, and they're talking about how in their, they are in their childbearing years, and many of them are married and ready to have children. And so these women are choosing between this, like, graduate education, um, this program that they've entered into, and um, continuing their pregnancies because it's just not set up to support her. Mm. And... Um, Whereas, you know, a, a man who is the father, who um, we also want this to support, like, he, he doesn't have, he's not faced with that choice in the, to the same degree that she is. Mm-hmm. And so changing these policies and really, really pushing against pregnancy discrimination, making sure that she does have maternity leave, making sure that... Um, she doesn't lose, like, a paid, um, to, like, there are some, my brain just went in four different directions. <laughs> um, there are some programs that will actually, um, pay for students to go through, um, when they're in graduate school, and, um, we were dealing with a situation with a girl who had reached out to us because she was accepted into the program, she was going to have two semesters of tuition paid for Mm -hmm. um and then after the professor found out that she was pregnant they um decided to give the position to somebody else Mm -hmm. she was like hold on um so I mean again that's that's discrimination and um 
I mean, and that's where the written documentation really, really is important. But wow, um, it's just it's so important that we do have make these efforts to uphold Title IX and yeah. fight against pregnancy discrimination. Wow. That story just blows my mind, especially at a graduate level. We just think that people are so enlightened to equal rights and feminism. And yet, lo and behold, when it comes to pregnancy, it's kind of thrown out the window for convenience. It is. It's frustrating. So if... Anyone is experiencing this, whether they're part of a group or not, whether they have um, pregnancy or pregnant on campus on their campus or not, they can reach out to you guys. Oh, absolutely. Like, there does not need to be a Students for Life group on your campus. Like, you do not even have to be so life. If you are going through any sort of pregnancy discrimination, like, we're here to help. Um, you can go to the Pregnant on Campus website, which is um, www.pregnantoncampus.org. I'll link it in the show notes. (laughs) Awesome. You can um, fill out the form there, and um, we'll reach out to you from there, or you can email pregnancyresources at studentsforlife.org, and um, and that's a direct, direct email to the Pregnant on Campus group. And um, we'll help you. So, yeah, I mean, if you are a student in any way, shape, or form and are dealing with some sort of discrimination, like, you don't have to be a part of a group. You don't have to. There doesn't need to be a group at your school. Um, We don't care if you're pro-life or you're pro-choice. Like, we just want to help make sure that you have support, that you have resources, that you've got someone in your corner, and um, we've got your back. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is, yeah, this has been really great. Guys, this was such a fun conversation, and I just love the work that Camille and Pregnant on Campus are doing. I'm so excited that someone's out there fighting for diaper changing tables on campuses across America and helping pregnant women know that they have a right to an education just like everyone else. So, You should definitely go check out their website. It's Pregnant on Campus. The website is in the show notes. And go read the Pregnant on Campus Bill of Rights. They just lay out there really easy to understand all the rights pregnant women have. And if you're a student, I would really encourage you, go look and see if there's a Pregnant on Campus um, chapter at your school or if you could start one. They are a really, really great community. Now, as for the podcast, please, as soon as you stop hearing music, go rate and review this podcast. That's how other people are going to find out about us. So it's really important that you go do that. And I'm super excited. We come out with a show every other Thursday, and I'm going to bring you an awesome story next time. So be looking forward to that.